Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 15 of the Elevate podcast. The podcast is out to document and elevate the human experience through conscious conversation. I'm your host, Hayden Humphrey, and I'm incredibly excited to be sharing with you my conversation with Rob Cho. Rob is an award-winning author, relationship expert, coach, and motivational speaker. Rob works in all things relationships. He's written books, facilitated workshops, runs his own private coaching practice, and also hosts a highly rated podcast called Relationships with Rob. Rob's passionate about helping people bounce back after heartbreak and especially supporting divorced and struggling fathers. In this episode, Rob and I talk about the myth of monogamy, the states of masculinity and femininity in the modern world, and strategies for navigating relationships during quarantine. As always, thanks so much for being here. It means a lot that you've decided to spend your time with us, and I'm incredibly excited to share this episode with you. Rob, welcome to the show. Aiden, thanks for having me on, brother. I'm glad that we connected. Absolutely. Excited to have you. Um, How is it going for you, given, uh, you know, recent circumstances, everything that's going on with the quarantine? How's it been? You know, I was just saying and sharing with you that nothing's changed for me. I mean, I feel like it's been normal life as it is. I do a lot of content creation at home, studio stuff. Um... Coaching is all done behind Zoom or StreamYard. Or it's, it's basically all online. It's basically laptop lifestyle to the to the max. And so, uh, when everyone's freaking out, I'm just chilling. You know, I'm pretty introverted anyway. Yeah. So like being at home is kind of cozy. Nice. And, and then uh, what's good about here? We I live in Toronto, so there's a lot of uh, traffic. We have pretty brutal traffic out here. Um, but when you do take a trip out to the grocery store, or you do want to take a trip out somewhere. Uh, there's no traffic. It's zombie land outside so it's actually kind of nice it's something refreshing and it kind of makes me want to like stay here a little bit a little different yeah Yeah. i uh it's so funny i feel very very similar um you know it's interesting being an entrepreneur working from home um you know not much changed when they issued you know the the stay-at-home order here in chicago and i was like i don't even go out that much on the weekends anyways i was at home most weekends (laughs) so it's like pretty normal uh you know for me but um i was you know i was saying like it, I, I kind of feel bad for the folks who, you know, work in more corporate positions and don't know what it's like to work at home. Cause I, I do think it's a totally different animal to work and live in the same space. If you're not actually used to setting up those boundaries, I'm sure it can very quickly get to the point of feeling overwhelming. And, you know, I'm really lucky in that I'm also more introverted. Um, and you know, I live with one other person who also runs his own business. We get along really well. Um, I can't imagine what this would be like if, you know, if I had kids in the mix or if, you know, if it was like a whole family in the mix. Um, so, you know, pros and cons, uh, uh, for sure. For sure. Um, and I can't, I can't wait to talk about that dynamic a little bit when we dive into this, when we get further into this conversation, but yeah, yeah. it gets, it gets interesting, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious as well as to what, how other people are holding up. Yeah, so it's totally. good. It's good that you guys are, are doing okay though. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you mentioned a couple things. Uh, I shared, I shared a bit with the folks in the intro about who you are and, and, you know, some of the stuff that you're up to, but I'd love to hear directly from you. Like, what are you, what are you up to right now? Yeah. So my main thing that I do is relationship coaching. A lot of people come to me for relationship advice, um, kind of tools and tips and tricks, communication, whatever. Um, but really 
what I what deep down at the core what I what I love doing what what I'm passionate about is I help divorced fathers kind of get a voice to you know the issues that they're facing because I think that's a very silenced crowd and a very underserviced um, market or or demographic or what have you mm. and I started out doing that because you know I was a divorced father myself I was in kind of like down and out I was in the pits of hell so to say and I didn't know what to do and I wish there was a group like this around and, and um, you know the group that I'm referring to is, is the one that I house for divorced fathers and um, so outside of that the, the questions and the curiosity just started to to tumble in and with that curiosity I just started asking the right questions I started getting into the right groups I started getting into um, you know psychology philosophy and all that stuff and then long story short I came full circle and I just started um, I guess broadening my scope because I knew that divorced fathers yes but I knew there was a lot of other people that kind of needed a little bit of, I guess, a little bit of a nudge or a poke in the right direction in terms of relationships, because we're not taught this stuff in schools. Mm. And, you know, I think I felt the the lack of this in, um, you know, the, the time when I was going through my divorce. And so I was like, I really wish there was like some foundational groundwork or some pieces of information that I could find. And so, you know, when I, when I was in the midst of journaling a, a whole bunch of things and I came together with, you know, what I thought was pretty foundational for uh, a person, you know, going through a heartbreak. And so, you know, I dubbed it the HQ, wrote a book, started a podcast on it. And it's just, it's been, it's been an incredible, incredible ride to be able to um, share my expertise on the things that I hear about in the background, but then also like, you know, be able to share the, the, the new learned skills that I get to, mm-hmm. to take on because mo- modern relationships are always evolving. So the, I always say that the old books are kind of like outdated and, and that goes with a lot of things, even in business with, with old economics, we, we can't, st- we can't, sit there and try to predict things on the past. We can make educated guesses, but modern, especially with technology, the way things are rapidly changing and and, and technology is being um, just rampant in our, in, in every culture, in relationships, especially if we get if we ever get into swipe culture. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, with all that being said, um, it, it's a disaster out there. So I really, really love to just get my, um, I guess my, my knowledge and my wisdom out there to, for, for people to absorb and they can take whatever they want with it. I really want people to sift through it, the noise, but um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I really do come from a good place. Like I, I all my businesses are always heart centered. And I think that's yeah. uh, really important, especially in these Corona times, because um, I don't see a, a, a drop in my business or anything. In fact, I see an influx of, um, uh, people calling in and, 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 you know, requests to coach and, and things like that. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean that, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, I, I, first, I just want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing. I think, especially, you know, with your, uh, focus on men and divorced men, um, it's, it's been interesting as I have, you know, continued my own coaching journey and I go out and I connect with other people. I'm just coming to realize like how inadequately, inadequately, most men are equipped to be able to have those types of conversations inside of relationships. And like, 
you know, if, if we really zoom all the way out, like relationships are really all that there is. Everything else is kind of a story. Everything else is like just something that we do to occupy ourselves while, like while we build relationships. And so like being able to support someone in developing the skills necessary to hold their own inside of a relationship and get their needs met and set boundaries in a healthy way and communicate in a, in a, you know, in a way that has both people in the relationship winning, I think is so incredibly, incredibly important. Um, the, the piece that you mentioned around like how relationships are evolving. Um, I was looking at some of the events that you're hosting online or, or have been hosting. And one of the pieces that stood out me, to me was you were talking about enlightened relationships versus traditional relationships. And I was just curious, like what you saw as the distinction there. Yeah. So traditional relationships, I call that the white picket fence life. I mean, everyone knows about this. Everyone, you know, I think our parents, like uh, glamorize this to a certain degree and wanted this for uh, wanted that for them i mean because if that was their generation they were just getting out of a war the white picket fence looked amazing right the atomic family have a have a, a an older son and a younger daughter dog in the yard white picket fence that life right yeah. that traditional traditional marriage and so sometimes like that can get lost in translation for especially for somebody who doesn't like to live in the norm is a little bit unconventional who you know colors outside of the lines i guess so to say and what's what's funny um when i was doing uh my research i noticed that there was people i guess searching for for more than what was outside of the traditional so they lived the traditional life they got there and they were like you know what this is you know the just the juice ain't worth the squeeze and i'm getting out of here so let's divorce and and that's that's where all these men are coming to me asking what happened why is this going on and it's interesting because i i think you know obviously we talked a little bit about swipe culture i think that has something to do with it um also on a deeper level, psychologically, uh, there's feminized men walking around and masculine women kind of overtaking the, the workplace. And uh, so that that dynamic inside of a marriage kind of unfolds itself as well, too. So um, the enlightened relationship is it doesn't mean that there's like some ideal relationship that you're striving for no an enlightened relationship just means you are enlightened mm. you come into enlightening meaning maybe i've been living a facade my whole life maybe that this white picket fence was everything that society made me want to think that they made me want in life so now that i accomplished everything i'm realizing that hey maybe i'm a big fat phony mm right? I don't know mm -hmm. if you've ever watched Family Guy or Catcher in the Rye, mm -hmm. but um, I'm a big fat phony. And so yes. coincidentally, Hayden, right? Um, but um, that's the difference between a traditional and an enlightened relationship. And, and sometimes, and I think the problem with modern relationships is that the one partner wants the enlightened and one person thinks everything is fine mm. and that's the friction and I hope we can get into a little bit about that but um you know like that that in a nutshell and I wish I can get these live events going again uh you know after post-COVID so I had to kind of you know put that on the back burner because like that was really the focus on uh this year was was trying to you know educate people on 
on these types of things because I think it's valuable information whether you're in a relationship or whether you're not whether you're single and you're trying to figure things out um, it's good to know these kinds of things because it's like man I really wish I don't have to get into that whole divorce debacle and split my assets and you know have to get into this whole you know I mean like that's that's not a good position to be in totally. for anybody yeah. um, especially men the um the piece that you shared around you know, one of the facets of an enlightened relationship is it's not necessarily about the relationship, but it's about the individual, like an enlight two enlightened individuals coming together inside of relationship. And part of that being like, how are you continuously or proactively pulling down the facade of who you thought you were, or who you thought you were supposed to be in order to become more of who you truly are? Um, and so I'd be curious for you, like, how do you go about like intentionally getting clear on where that facade might be coming up for you and replacing it with something that's more authentic or more just you at the core? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, this could be targeted for men or women um, in general. I'll speak generally and then we'll, we'll try to speak individually for each one. But generally speaking, I always use the analogy of an onion, peeling an onion. Uh, when you peel an onion, uh, what's the first thing that happens to your eyes? You start crying. It's the most painful part. You start, right. you know, you start bawling a little bit, but then as soon as you start peeling back more layers, you start to get used to it. Then you get to the right part of the onion that you need to do whatever that you want with it, whether you want to cook or whatever, what have you. And so that's kind of like how I'll res- uh, generally speak to everybody is just look, you know, peel back the layers, get uncomfortable, cry a little bit and, and try to uh, get as vulnerable as possible because, you know, where the vulnerability lies is where, um, you know, the shame and the guilt and all these lower vibrating emotions that get trapped there that you're trying to release yourself from. And and part of this whole peeling, this unraveling process of the onion, um, you know, you, you have to unravel those layers so you can get to the core and the root of those problems or those essences that you're trying to release. And, there's a bunch of tests that you can do, um, you know, psychologically or even like you, uh, like personality test wise and things like that to get to really, really, really know yourself at the core, maybe unwire yourself of old paradigms that, you know, that don't serve you uh, and, and that maybe are just a little bit outdated. And then we mm-hmm. start thinking about um, what it is that we are carnally as well, like, like primitively as, as a human, and, and now I want to kind of shift the focus specifically on the male because there are things that a male will primitively do that a female doesn't do and that there's science that backs this. And I don't want to get into like all of that, but, you know, it, on a general kind of like, lay, like level, we can kind of just see that, yes, men and women were very starkly different and we're not equal. We complement each other. And if we can understand that, um, then we'll be able to house our differences better. We'll be able to keep a safe space for the differences and understand them and protect them as opposed to, you know, fight tooth and nail at, at, mm-hmm. at them for like against each other for them. Totally. And I, yeah. And, that, and that's the really important thing. Right. And, and, you know, some couples have a lot of trouble finding that or even singles just trying to find that in a partner. So, yeah, that's it's so interesting. I, have it's especially last year like 2019 I well every year for the last couple of years I've picked a word that has sort of encompassed the whole year and um, kind of been like the high level breakthrough so to speak that I've wanted to generate for the year and last year the word for me was man and so it was a lot of 
me doing my own reflection and introspection around, you know, how do I show up as a man? How do I channel masculine energy? How do I get clear on, uh, you know, the adult man that I want to be out in the world? And I remember I, a couple of years ago, read the book, uh, Way of the Superior Man um, by David Data. And at the time was a little bit off put by it and didn't really understand it. And then came back around after having done some more <laughs> interpersonal work and reading it last year and having it just resonate on a much deeper level and understanding that, you know, it wasn't about like the stereotypes, the generalizations. It was really speaking to like, what is it that the masculine energy, which women can have more masculine energy, what is it that masculine energy like wants to do and create and become? And what does feminine energy want to do and 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 create and become? Um, and I think it's such an important conversation because it has more to do with like evolution and, and just who we are naturally and biologically versus like a cultural conversation or, you know, story, um, identity, uh, oriented conversation. So I love, I love what you shared around those two things that I wrote that down. I thought it was so important, like the not equal, but complementary, um, and, and actually like having both parties really drill down into that versus trying to be something that they're not. 100%. And I love that book because uh, the, another thing that they put, uh, mentioned in that book was polarity and mm. how men and women need polarity within their relationships. And uh, for intimacy, it's the requirement for intimacy, long sustaining intimacy. And I mentioned a little bit about how there's a lot of feminized men walking around and a lot of masculine, masculinized women. And that's because of the, the, uh, the rhetoric around we are supposed to be seen as equals. And, mm. and, and you know, David Data did a great job of, of breaking down the, the masculine energy and the feminine energy and what we resort to when it comes down to the, the, the basics. And, and I think that's such a great point that you brought up. So that's a, it's a fabulous book. Anybody, any man out there that's looking to get into a long-term relationship, read that book. And, Agreed. Um, yeah. If you're not spiritual, then it's going to go over your head. But, um, yeah. The, uh, term that you just used the feminized men and the, the masculine women, I'd be curious, like what you see as, you know, potentially the cause of that. And then also potentially the cost of that. Yeah. I'll call it out. It's feminism. And you know, that, obvious that's obviously dying out now feminism is a dying dying dinosaur it's aging out the youth have cat, are catching on they're becoming more in tune with their feminine and men are becoming way more masculine out there you can see it in the music you can um you know it's sorry you can't see it in the music you can hear it in the music um and and the media portrays this in a way because it you can't stop the zeitgeist and it's just the it's just the way of the world and feminism is slowly dying out and that rhetoric of you can be an independent woman and you don't need no man and and so they you know they be step into this masculine role of breadwinner and they go out there and they become this lawyer or doctor and then you know they repel all these all these masculine men because masculine men don't want a, a masculine woman and so they, you know, she goes like 30 to 40 years of, the, of this, her whole life accomplishes everything. And then she comes to a, like a relationship coach like me and says, I'm lonely and wonders why. And, and that's the detriment of what this rhetoric does to young girls. On the flip side for men, what this does to us is it, it, it disenfranchises us in family law. So 
you know, there's obvious repercussions in family law that uh, that don't go in the man's favor just because of uh, historical precedent. In the early 90s, there was a huge problem with fatherlessness in, in, in America, especially in New York City. There was a big problem. This, this is where the feminists came in and they started rewriting these laws and passing these bills so that they don't become oppressed in, in situations where the dad just impregnates them. And then, but you know, the, the funny story about that is that it, it just, you know, it takes two to tango, right? And who knows what that woman did to drive the father out there. We don't know that. And, 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 but we, we, we automatically society automatically pointed the blame at men. And so because of that, we, we had to suffer a lot in court. You know, there was, and I beg to differ that that's probably why our uh, suicide rate is so damn high. And, um, you know, just to, you know, be lighten this up a little bit, you know, because I do talk a lot about very serious topics and, you know, I think the, what, what it is interesting to see is that social media has helped this, so much. Um, the girls who are Instagram models these days, um, you know, they get so much clout because they wear scantily clad outfits. Uh, they're basically showing nothing. And um, these men are, are, are uh, showing they're, they're in the comments and, and leaving thirsty comments and, and all this stuff. And they're showing this feminization or of men and pedestalizing of women. That's kind of like what the feminist movement did indirectly. It, it didn't. It didn't directly. It didn't want this to happen. It just did. And there's so there's a lot of men out there that uh, portray uh, portray these women as goddesses and queens and models and yada yada yada. And they put them on a pedestal and they get into a relationship with them and then they get all this what we call oneitis in, in in the relationship field is they get oneitis for this girl and this girl ends up breaking their heart, breaking his heart and he wants to kill himself. And um, so. Uh, long story short, you know, it does, we, we can use social media to, to gauge how things have been moving, which we, and we can stop it from progressing in certain ways. So like what I do is I try to tell men, like, you know, don't put women on a pedestal. We're not equal and, and they're not above us and we're not above them, right? We have complementary things and we're just better at certain things and they're just better at certain things and we'll just leave it at that. And a lot of people try to get the woman or get the man to be in touch with whatever side that they're on. So like we, the women are always telling men, you got to get in touch with your feminine side. Right. And then the man always says, why can't you just be like more like the guys. Right. And like that confuses the shit out of everybody growing up. Right. And that creates the friction inside of, of relationships. Right. And so totally. um, Yeah, man, that's, I I think, you know, the feminism uh, is kind of dying out and people are starting to really, really, you know, come to terms with this whole uh, relationship thing as well. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's just so interesting how the, like the overall dynamics of society influence the individual in that way. And then you're left with these relationships where you have two people who are expecting the other to be different in a sense, um, or wanting the other to be different. Um, and, you know, you mentioned earlier in sort of a similar vein that at times you have a relationship where one person wants to become enlightened and the other person kind of wants to be the same. Um, I'd be curious, like what you normally tell folks or like what you would tell someone who's in that kind of relationship where, you know, they're the person, either they're the person who, you know, wants to become enlightened or they're the person who feels like their partner is slipping away from them and changing and they're kind of losing touch with 
you know, that original relationship. Yeah. I love that question. And I love shedding top, like my topics, like or my expertise on these topics, because this is one of the questions that a lot of people have struggled with and at one point or another in their long-term relationships. And one of the things why people are running into problems is, and we're going, I'm going to go back to what David Dita said in Superior uh, Way of Man is the polarity got reversed somehow. And whether intentional or not, uh, something like that had happened. So let's talk purely heterosexual uh, couples here. So the masculine role usually, and a healthy masculine is like, you know, be the leader, breadwinner, integrity, do, do things with integrity, um, you know, be organized, analytical, goal-oriented. Um, we, we tend to lose that as men as we get older because, well, if our woman makes more money than us, then chances are we're going to stay at home with the kid while she goes and pursues uh, her career and she gets elevated to a point where it's, you know, a mass amount of money. She makes almost double, triple, or even a, you don't even make a third of what she makes. When she comes home and, you know, she's in her power suit, she brought, drops the briefcase down and she sees the husband at home with apron on his, with an apron and a flower on his face and the burning oven. It, it, it's, it's the reverse of the roles that happen, what, what, what traditional families grew up on. Now, traditional families, um, this is what I, I agree with in terms of that. You should get to a traditional point, but then also become enlightened. And, but if you're still sitting there traditionally and, and you know, your roles are reversed, then you should want to come to the enlightened side and try to educate yourself more about what, is my role as a man in this house and why is my marriage breaking down why is she not wanting to you know get intimate with me at night well it's dude it's when she comes home and she sees flour all kicked off on your face with a burning oven and screaming kids in your arm yeah. she's not turned on she's not ready to jump your bones at that moment you know it's sorry to say and um on the reverse of that a man is not finding a woman attractive when she's in her masculine role either Right. So when she's always on all day and she's in her analytical mind, like she's not being playful, she's not being funny, she's not being flirtatious, you know, that loving, warm aspect that the divine feminine possesses and she's not in that, we get repelled as well, too. And so this is important, not just for men, this is important for women to understand, right? The polarities get shifted for both of us, right? And that's why we have sexless marriages. So if we can come together and start understanding that, yes, we have to enlighten ourselves in order to enrich our marriages for, you know, because it's a tough thing to do. Monogamy is not natural for us. And I'm going to say that again, monogamy is not natural for us. Mm. Okay. And so to work at it, it takes a lot of freaking effort. And, and, and that's an understatement, right? Because effort is one thing, you know, really, really trying to go do the hard work mentally, physically, emotionally, socially, whatever the case may be. Um, that's the difficult part, but understanding this, this concept of masculine and feminine energies, I think that solves a lot of relational problems within broken marriages or broken relationships, you know, even, yeah. and I want to talk a little bit about the gay community as well too, because my friends are gay, man. I can't like, you know, like this is not, um, uh, completely, you gotta be in a hetero relationship. Like this is very traditional. Like, no, 
like in gay relationships too, um, there needs to be polarity. There needs to be this top and bottom dynamic. And, you know, if, if, if you're the more masculine and you feel more fe- uh, comfortable in the masculine role and, you're, and, and your partner is more comfortable in the feminine role and those got reversed and go back to what you guys normally are comfortable with. You know what I mean? And, and, or, or just try to figure that out, but don't give up on each other just because you guys have lost sight. Like chemistry is important and that's hard to like, that gets lost in long-term, but that is important to never lose sight of. I think, you know, that's it, the, the, the wiring that goes on is very important, especially if you're two healthy beings, if you're two unhealthy beings, that chemistry is a disaster. Um, but you know, you know, but if you guys are two healthy beings and you found each other at a really good time, you know, trying to, you know, unwire that is very difficult and it shouldn't be, I, I just, I, you know, it's worth that. And, and it's not to say that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit into one itis here, but you know, you made that decision. I'm talking to couples here already. You decided that you were going to have this one itis for this one girl. So that's fine. But to make long-term relationships work, this is what it's going to take. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, I mean, we've only scratched a surface of like some of the things that we really go into because, um, you know, when you coach with me, like it, it, it's so crazy. We go into so many different layers that like going back to the onion thing, it's absolutely unreal. Um, mm. And this is like for intimate relationships specifically because, yeah. um, you know, we can talk all day about business relationships, but more, more or less people are really concerned about their marriages and the stuff that's going on at home. Totally. Especially, um, especially now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think the the piece that I really wanted to highlight and what you shared was like this idea of divine masculine and divine feminine, like what uh, more masculine energy is typically attracted to and how it shows up and what feminine energy is typically attracted to and how it shows up. Because I think it's an interesting starting place and a good starting place for people to start to take a look at what is it that I'm looking for from my partner that I don't feel like I'm receiving and vice versa. And it becomes a much easier way to start a conversation around what might not be working or, you know, how how do we fix this? How do we create a, you know, a situation that that works for both of us? Um, But the thing that I don't want to step over uh, that you said was this idea of monogamy not being natural. And it's so interesting because I agree with you. Uh, I, uh, it started, oh man, when was this? Like two years ago, I read a book, Sapiens, um, which is a brief history of Homo sapiens as a, as a species. And then probably six months ago, I read Sex at Dawn. I don't remember the authors, but um, both of those for me really pointed to this idea that monogamy is more of a construct and a story than what's actually natural for us. And it's so interesting because... For me, it makes a ton of sense. When I think about it, I'm like, this seems very logical to me. I totally understand this, even in the face of overwhelming, you know, quote unquote evidence or what the overwhel- uh, you know, overwhelming paradigm is. You know, everywhere you look, it's, it's all monogamous relationships for the most part. Um, and so I think sometimes it can be a, a difficult thing to, to start to digest. But I'd be curious for you specifically, like where did that start to shift for you? Or like where did that, you know, idea get planted, so to speak. Oh man, this is going back to the feminists now. Okay, so um, you know, love you guys, love the feminists. They they do a great job at, at at you know getting the rights of the women that that need to be oppressed. But one of the things that uh, they do really well is they try to dismantle the quote unquote patriarchy um, and and make things more of an egalitarian kind of rule where men is not looked at as higher than a woman. 
And so with that comes the beta-tizization of, of the alpha male. And the reason why they do that is because the alpha male, like he is, you know, has his way with a, a woman, let's say, has, has kids, they grow up. Um, by 30, like 35, 40, the woman starts uh, dropping in her value in the sexual marketplace. And then he decides to leave her, but his mark, his market value is like through the roof and uh, it leaves her very vulnerable. And so now she has got a child rear with kids, all this stuff. And then, um, you know, so th that's where this whole movement kind of came into, to, uh, to, to start into play. And the rhetoric in this arena was about, you know, the Disneyland, fairy tale princess be saved by a white knight type of rhetoric. And it was this rhetoric that men started to believe and think that they are meant to be monogamous. Well, why does cheating happen then? Right? Like why do people cheat all the time? That was the question I get a lot. Why do men cheat? Why do women cheat? Like they, we obviously cheat for different reasons, but you know, it, it goes, it begs the question, then are we supposed to be monogamous sapiens or mammals right or not and then you start to question and so you know with this whole movement of uh you know i guess feminized women or i call them defunct or de facto males and de facto females it sounds a little bit better uh, but yeah like you know when when we get into this whole dynamic that it starts to really uncover the underbelly of what we're, we're trying to get into which is what is divine masculine what is divine feminine like what is our roles here on this earth and how do we complement each other based on our roles mm. and mm -hmm. we get into really really ugly territory if like which is like you know evolutionary biology evolutionary psychology you get into like you know all these little topics subsets of, of information and pseudoscience and it becomes this whole topic and theories of debate of just um just enormous amounts of gender politics and and, and all that kind of stuff so you know that's yeah. where it really manifested and and um i don't know if that answers your question yeah well so the the piece that i heard in that you know one was like the cultural stories around monogamy like what it was supposed to look like how it's supposed to be mm, um and so. everyone sort of playing into that um when and the other point that you mentioned is like why does everyone cheat so much and the thing that i you know really stuck with me from the book was you know they were talking about this natural inclination that we have to be sexual with many people like it, that's just there um and you know if if we were supposed to naturally be monogamous like, what's the point of that? Like, why would we have that if we, if, it, if from a very natural perspective, we were supposed to be monogamous and only, you know, with one person. Um, and so that's, that's what I heard uh, for yeah, that piece. I, I want to touch on a little bit about that. Cause I, I, now I get the question because there's also uh, religion and, and all of that tied into this as well too, because you know what, um, you know, so when we study, when we study marriage right back in the history of marriage, what that was, was just because like, Hey, just say you were a property owner and my, you were my neighbor and you had a daughter and I had a son and I'm like, we're going to die. And I'm like, let's pass this on to our property, like, like to our kids. And so let's get them married. They didn't love each other. They didn't know what thing was up, but that's what marriage was to them back in the day. What it's evolved into now because of the church is because this enforced monogamy, right? Like it's uh, oh a sin. If you, it's adulterous, if you do this, if you do that. And so religion had its, um, um, 
they, they had their come up, I guess, so to say. They got their clout. <laughs> it's so funny when we speak of it like that, right? But, uh, right. you know, they got their clout, uh, so to say, and, and, and they came up into this whole, uh, they started to get hold of relationships and marriage. And, 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 and so that started seeping into our, our books, our Disney, uh, we mentioned Disney, you know, it started seeping into all of this, um, this, I guess, traditional conservative idealism. Um, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to, you know, I, I put up my hands waving a white flag. I'm not trying to be like left or right um, or, or try to spark political debates and go after feminists and stuff like that. No, this is just, I'm, I'm talking about the truths and the, and, the, and the things that I've uncovered in my journey, you know, that might spark something in you that will be like, you know what, he said something here and I want to go research this. And then you go into that tunnel and into that web dark hole or whatever that you want to call. And I call it the, uh, I think they're calling it the intellectual dark web now or something mm. like that. Right. So IDW. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll look it up. Um, yeah. So there's a, uh, you know, this is just tip of the iceberg stuff that we're talking about really. So. Yeah, most definitely. It's interesting too, you know, this whole idea of how common uh, and how frequent monogamous relationships are. It's really the prevailing paradigm in so many ways. And there's a very small minority of people who have decided that, um, you know, they're going to create polyamorous relationships that actually work. And I actually feel very blessed to know a couple of people in my life who are in that situation. Um, and uh, it's actually so interesting to watch and be present to the development inside of these people that are exploring and discovering and creating these polyamorous relationships. Because I think that it's one thing to get to a place where you can be emotionally mature enough to have a really healthy, well-balanced, well-rounded relationship with one individual. And to do it with multiple individuals takes a level of emotional maturity that most people are not willing to do the work to get to. So in a lot of ways, like there's so much to be learned about from a personal development perspective by creating, you know, these systems and, um, you know, these, this larger network of relationships, um, you know, versus the, you know, one-to-one monogamous relationship. Mm, absolutely. 100%. Um, and, you know, just to wrap that up with a little pretty bow, uh, you know, we become so ingrained into thinking that this is what we need. And, and I'm trying to tell you guys, this is not, you know, so, uh, mm-hmm. you know, explore yourself a little bit and, and really try to get to know what you want out of, out yeah. of your own personal relationship, whether it's monogamy that. or polyamory or, you know, I know some throuples, mm-hmm. you know, some throuples. So yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> those are, that's trending right now. Yeah. Nice. Um, one of the things that I love asking folks on this show, um, you know, especially folks who have been working for themselves for a while and do some sort of support or service role is how, like, how do you get supported or what does your support system, um, actually look like as you grow your business, as you create more of your brand, as you live your life, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Um, I live by the 33% rule. Um, I, I, it's very loose. I don't try to live by rules all the time, but when you divide a hundred by three, uh, you get 33.33333%. Um, so my, my life is split into thirds in, in the way that I view relationships and there's people, and, and this is going to sound super like, uh, like snobby, but please don't take it as snobby. Um, but there are people who I feel like they're, 
um, you know, they're, they're, I can't really gain anything from, you know, I, I'm, I may be the one trying to gain, give them information, if anything. So I keep them at the third level. And then another third of the level are people who are my peers, right? People who hold me accountable, people in the same circle, doing the same things, trying to get the same goals. So I, I, ha- I surround myself with a third of those people. The top, the other third is mentors, people who are in places that I want to be in that, that are like millions of miles and steps ahead of me that I want to learn from. And, and that's important for me because when I have a, I'm faced with a problem, what, whatever problem it is, I have these groups of people that I know that I can go to for whatever different types of information. Sometimes maybe like if I need like, a, you know, I, I product review, I'll go to the people in the bottom third who are very negative and they're very like, you know, critical and, you know, they, and, and, but I, I, it doesn't mean I need to cut these people out of my life. And that's what I, I, I don't enjoy about the self and personal development world is that they tell people to cut people off even if it's your family doesn't mean that you can't love your family from from afar i'll just put them in the bottom third where i'll just be like you know what yeah if you guys want to be the crabs in the bucket you put yourself there um and that's fine but i still love you guys you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like i can't throw away my family Mm -hmm. you guys are perfectly pieces of good crab i can eat later no i'm just joking um but (laughs) you know you get the idea right and so i'm just uh, uh i'm trying to enlighten somebody who might be listening in and thinking you know i need to cut everybody out of my life no i think there's just you know different sections of 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 your your life that you can restrict people into and this is about creating healthy boundaries and things like that because if those people get too close and you know they're obviously you know you're obviously losing a piece of yourself and then you got to keep them you know you got to keep your boundary there you might spend less time with that person or you might have less conversations with that person um you know and so you're not really just trying to you know cut everybody off and i think that's important relationships uh they go a long way especially if you you know don't burn bridges totally the um piece that you shared around the putting them in the bottom third or like not totally cutting people off. I think it's so interesting because in, you know, in some senses you're, you're so right. Like make, you know, create healthy boundaries. Don't let people actively set like sap or sabotage your energy. Um, and I think on, on the grander spectrum or from a more elevated position, like there's actually a lot to learn from those people. Like what would it actually take to have you show up in a way where regardless of what they said or who they were being, or what, whatever way that they're interacting with you, how do you continue to you know, keep that same type of inner resilience and not actually be affected by it? Which is, you know, it's a practice. It's an ever-evolving practice. But I think that people in so many senses are mirrors for us and whatever triggers us in someone else is just reflecting something in ourselves that we can't you know, actually be with. Um, and I, and I love the other piece that you shared around that upper third being those mentors, um, and being able to go to them and, you know, ask for help and ask for questions. And, you know, even in, in my own life, as I've built the businesses that I've built, as I've lived my life over the last two years, I, I realized that that's just, it has always been sort of a stop for me. It's something that I've had to continually work on. Like, how do I ask for help? Cause I think in a weird way, there's like a, this really weird pride around trying to do everything yourself or like figure it out yourself. When in reality, all you're doing is just giving yourself a way harder time and making it way harder than it needs to be than being like, Hey, I don't know how to do this. Let me go ask someone who does, you know, know how to do this. Um, but I love that. I love the way that you split that up that 33%. I think yeah, that's, that's how I get support, you know, and, and I get support from even the bottom half or even my peers or even the people, you know, so I, I have people who do certain things for me and um, you know, 
we, we have to make use of our, our, our strengths because like the people in the bottom half, it makes it sound so bad, but they have strengths too that I can learn from and I, and I genuinely do learn from them. Uh, you know, uh, hanging, hanging out with people like that. I can't really gain anything from, well, I do gain, you know, I do gain from them. Um, you know, it's, I can't really say that. So mm. there's just, there's just levels of people and, and I, you know, I hate to cl- classify them, but you know, that's just mm-hmm. how it is. Yeah. Um, as you continue to develop and build your business and, you know, create more for yourself out in the world, I'd be curious for you, like, what's the, like, what's the vision for you and your business and the stuff that you're up to? Yeah, the big, the big vision, um, I want to take the dad's brand and, and make it into a huge nonprofit where these guys can get like, you know, they can pop in, get free resources based on uh, whatever region they're in, whether it be connecting to mediators, lawyers, uh, you know, whatever the, the case may be. Um, I just want them to get support articles of, of you know, just motivation, inspiration, and, you know, kind mm-hmm. of create that as a hub for these guys and, and really try to get some steam under the nonprofit world. So that's like my long-term vision. My short-term vision for me is to get into these live events um, and, and really start to elevate my speaking brand. I was never a speaker. I never thought of myself as a speaker. I never really thought I was going to put myself into this kind of category. But, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier. You just sometimes, you know, the situations call for you to step into a role. And this is just me stepping into my masculinity and saying, you know, like, um, I, I need to create something or I need to create my dent in the universe and there's nothing that's going to really stop me. And it's really important for a guy to have this purpose. And, um, you know, so you know, long story short, I just want to promote these live term, uh, these live events, elevate my speaking brand, um, get my message out to more people so I can impact more people and, and really start to, uh, you know, transform people's lives on a bigger, bigger scale and yeah, that's just awesome. challenge some paradigms. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I love the, the speaking in the events piece too. You know, I even look at the the stuff that I'm up to in coaching. And there's just something so powerful about having people in the same room physically um, and like being able to create that container. And I think especially given the nature of the work that you're doing, which, um, you know, by its virtue touches on a lot of very deep seated beliefs and potentially fears and insecurities and pain and, you know, those sorts of pieces. I think, you know, you being able to create a, a physical space for people to come together in community and explore those things together is just so incredibly impactful and important. And, um, you know, it, like we were talking about earlier, I think especially your focus on men and divorced men and giving them a, a voice and giving them a support system, I think is just so, so incredibly important. Um, thank you. Rob. Yeah. And, um, you know, I love to, cause I was, you know, looking at your website earlier and some of the stuff that you're up to. And, um, I, I love how many things you have going on. Like it sounds, it sounds like you're up to a lot of different stuff. And I'd be curious with you, you know, with regards to you being an entrepreneur and starting businesses and starting these initiatives, like where did that, like, where did that start for you? <laughs> yeah. Um, I live life in the fast lane, man. Um, so I thought I was going to be a hockey player. Um, this is, <laughs> Nice. complete 180 of, of what's going on right now. Like, yeah, I wanted to be a hockey player. Um, no, um, you know, so growing up, I played a lot of hockey and, in I think it was uh, grade 11. So it was like junior high or something like that. I, uh, tore every single ligament in my left ankle in a volleyball game. And that was the only sport I was allowed to play because my rep coaches didn't want me playing any high school sports other than something silly that I wouldn't get injured in because it would affect my hockey. Mm-hmm. Ironically, that's the sport that I got injured in. 
Mm. So volleyball was the only sport I, I, I actually played on high school with, or baseball as well, but that's also very low anaerobic sport. But regardless, um, you know, that's where it all started. And then once I lost that identity, I started smoking weed and I was like, man, I don't want to pay for this shit. So I started selling it. And so I got really good at selling it. And then, so I was like, I built a whole business around selling it mm. and I had people running for me. And like, this was just a, a full fledged business where, um, you know, product was coming in, supply was going through the roof and, mm. and just, it was a, it was lucrative. And I got to a point where like, I didn't need to go to school. Someone was like, so you make a thousand dollars a day. Um, you know, like what's the point of going to school? And I'm like, yeah, mm. you're right. Like there is no, there is no point. Like I'm making tax free dollars and you know, my parents thought I was crazy and you know, all this stuff. And you know, it it started then, um, you know, even further back then my parents had a convenience store and I was that kid trying to sell paper bags to all the convenient, all the people that came in. So I had this just hustle mentality of like trying to sell things all the time. Right. Mm. And, um, you know, that, that, uh, obviously got me into a lot of trouble, with with police and 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 my girlfriends and my my ex-wife at the time and so you know all of that gets gets you into trouble and i started realizing man if i can take this energy and put it to something else Mm. uh then it would be a lot better right and Mm. so i started putting Mm -hmm. it into heart-centered approaches and that's kind of how i found uh lewis house so lewis Mm. house was one of those guys who was a lifestyle entrepreneur who was like making killing bank off of like you know spiritual products and like you know things that you can't really tangibly see it's just things that he knows and i'm like man people are going crazy and nutso for this information right and i'm just like Mm -hmm like how is this possible and so he learned he, he taught me you know he actually challenged me to put 100 people in my group my my first facebook group right and like that's just how it all began um and so from there it was like how do i do this how do i do that and so just you know gaining more information getting more tools but man i was just this hustler kid who always had an idea and a vision and always wanted to go for it no matter what it was going to take whether it meant dying or going to jail which was crazy right at the time think about it all mm-hmm. my friends are dying they're going to jail like it was just a disaster you know yeah. i say it lightheartedly because i'm over it. this was like 15 years ago right like mm-hmm. um a long long time ago a lot of people have t- had time to kind of like you know unwind and unpack that so um mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't take that lightly. And so a lot of the companies that I start are based, uh, you know, heart-centered approaches. Uh, but I, I can't lie, you know, I do have a capitalist kind of mindset where I do like, you know, I get into flipping real estate or um, nice. I have this um, fashion company that I'm about to start called Rising East. And we do uh, hand, professionally handmade waste bags that are going to go into like fashion designer, uh, the, the fashion designer world. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's something like long term I'm looking at right now. So it's like, you know, it's just I got my hands in a lot. <laughs> I, do a lot of, I do a lot of things. You, you, said it, you said it right. I do a lot of things. I love it. Well, I think honestly, I think that's the natural way of being for people. I think if people were educated differently and not educated in a system that has them think that they're supposed to be doing one thing and that one thing is something that everybody else is doing. I think that a lot of people would find themselves to be more entrepreneurial and find themselves in a position where they're out starting a bunch of different things. That's part of the reason why I love what I do so much. Like, I don't know if I'll be doing this forever. You know, I don't know if I'll be coaching forever. I don't know if I'll be, you know, run this podcast forever, but like, it's a fun thing to do and I like doing it and I'm learning a lot from it and it's going to 
lend itself a lot to me being successful in whatever the next thing is, you know, that I actually start. Like there's just so much freedom and flexibility, you know, in this kind of lifestyle. Um, and it's fun then too, because as soon as you have an idea, uh, it then becomes cool. How do I make this happen? You know, how do I make this work? Uh, like I, um, I started a live event series here in Chicago last year that you know, obviously has been put on hold for the time being. Uh, but one of the things that we started, that I started doing at the events was for every event, I would make a, a specialty t-shirt and it would be, I'm not wearing it now, but uh, it would be, it would have some sort of mantra or some sort of expression that was, you know, rooted in compassion and kindness and mm-hmm. just like a really positive mantra. And I love the shirts. The people who got the shirts love the shirts. And I have people reaching out to me being like, Hey, like, where can I, where did you get that shirt? Where can I buy that shirt? And so now I'm like, well, I definitely need need to start doing this. I definitely need to like put up, a, you know, put up some sort of store and shop or whatever it is. And so I have this eventually, I don't know when I'll do it, but eventually I'll, you know, create this, um, you know, t-shirt, uh, or just apparel line. Cause it seems fun and it seems like a cool way to, you know, get more of myself out into the world. Um, and so I'd be curious for you, you know, it sounds like you're up to some stuff with the, with, the uh, uh, luggage and the handbags and the real estate. Um, is there anything like any, businesses that you're looking to start that you're like secretly excited about or ideas that you kind of have brewing? Um, I don't know if this is a business per se, but I have been looking into like stocks and Forex. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is not something that, and then current, uh, sorry, um, cryptocurrency. It's, it's not something that I've, I've always looked into. Um, I've always kind of had it in the back of my mind. I'm just like, man, I know this is like, this is really good time to invest because the Corona, the whole Corona thing, the, the market dipped like crazy. I think we're just in a really bad situation. Fed pumped in a whole bunch of money. Um, so it's, you know, stag, uh, it's stagnated the interest rates. And so there's uh, inflation and, and now high, uh, prices of houses are going to keep going up. And so it's just going to be a, a continuation of what we're doing with less money, basically. It's yep. going to be crazy. Um, so um, well, it's interesting to see what it is. But I mean, I do know that right now is a great time to start looking at some things. And if you don't already, uh, if you don't already have some, uh, they're calling them puts. See, look at me. I'm getting all fancy with the lingo here now, you know what I mean? Because I'm learning something. Professional trader. Yeah. (laughs) Air quotes here, super air quotes. Um, But um, yeah, I mean, like that's definitely something I want to look into and I want to, you know, I guess submerse my 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 brain into the the industry so that I can absorb things when people talk to me about it. Yeah, uh, just like continuing to, it's, it's like being a constant learner and just a completely committed learner to whatever seems interesting. And, um, I think having a wide breadth of knowledge, even if it's not super deep in all of those areas is just so incredibly important to being creative and, you know, uh, creating multidisciplinary solutions to, you know, issues that you might be having in your business or seeing opportunities that, you know, other people might not be able to see. Um, and it'll be really interesting as you know, everything that's going on with coronavirus, you know, continues to go on and, you know, seeing what those opportunities are. Um, But one thing that I did want to ask you about was with this, with, with all of the things that are happening around social distancing and quarantining and isolation, you know, I imagine that there are probably some people out there who have been in relationships where they're now having to spend way more time with their partner than they're ever used to. So I'd be curious if you had, you know, heard that from people, like what people might be going through. And also like if you had any advice or guidance for someone who might find themselves in that kind of situation. For sure. Um, thanks for that alley-oop there. I'm going to, I'm going to knock this one down, but um, for sure, there's a lot of people 
struggling out there with their relationships because of how much headbutting they're they're having to to deal with now. And not only that, like all the problems that you know that they were just kind of brushing under the rug, they're now seeing it in plain sight. It's like right there. It's hard to avoid, and it's just like oh, really makes them feel uncomfortable. And that's a great time to lean in. Most people will distract themselves, and I think.、Um, It's important for us to have distractions, but be intentional with the distractions at one time. And I always say grandma's rule, right? So if you're gonna like, you know, smoke weed or drink alcohol or you know do stupid things that don't really add to your your bet your health benefits or whatever, it's grandma's rule. Do every everything after you get everything done, right? So do everything that you need to get done, and then go have your leisurely time. I look at kind of relationships the same way. I mean.、Um, There are tough things in your relationships that you need to face and do, right? But it's not always just serious, and I think that's where it gets lost. Relationships stop being fun so much, or they don't plan for the fun, right? Because as much as you you want to schedule the serious, you want to be able to schedule in the fun as well too. And I think when it comes to close. Quarters and close living areas. I think setting out boundaries and having a regimented schedule is always important. Like it's it's good for me to have a schedule so that if I ever share it with somebody, they know what I'm doing at what time. They don't think、mm. I'm ignoring them or you know what I mean. It's、mm-hmm. just it's super important that they understand that like I'm just a busy dude. I'm like you know some girl will be on her phone like wondering why I'm not texting her back for like a whole day. And it's because I'm on the phone talking to people like doing real life things. It's not just because I'm you know. But I do the serious stuff for. First, and the way I look at my dating now is I, I try to keep it leisurely and fun. When I go to that space, I'm trying to keep it fun. But it's difficult when you're like obviously living with、uh, somebody. So, a couple tips:、um, have designated areas in your house for. Like your own activity. So if you're if you like to play the guitar, go in your room and play the guitar while your other per,、uh, your other、uh, partner likes to maybe read or something like that. Whatever the case may be, like have separate distinctive areas where you're not at each other doing the things or monitoring each other while you're doing the thing that <laughs> you know, it gets really creepy, right? Like it's、mm-hmm. like I want to watch everything that you do. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what? <laughs> like, go over there. You know what I mean? And so,、um, you know, that dynamic is really important. The boundaries thing, because like, not just physical boundaries, because you know that the the physical boundaries is just like a is a metaphor for even just the internal boundaries that you're setting for mm, yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because like,、um, you know, if you can't abide by the physical boundaries, what makes you think that your partner is going to respect your 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 inner boundaries if you're not setting these kinds of, of rules? So that's a, a, another tip.、Um, This is a great time to be like, like doing face to face things with your with your spouse. Like we we oh we're we're always doing side to side things. You know, like we're sitting on a couch. Maybe we're sitting on a breakfast bar side by side. You know, and we're doing these side by side things, right? And I don't I, I like that. I think those are more reserved for like friends. You know, like when you go to a bar with your boy. You know, you and you're watching sports and you're chugging a pint. Like that's more of like a a friend thing to do, right? There's no intimacy there. You're not locking、mm-hmm. eyes with your boy and saying, "Yeah, I love how Tom Brady just went to the, the Tampa Bay Bucks." And you know, what do you think? Oh, you don't, you, know? you don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we're not. And so I think it's a great thing for. All couples to incorporate face-to-face things. So whether it be like card games, right? Those are great.、Um, you know, board games.、Um, reading to each other is always sweet. I'm, I'm 
um, sharing quotes with each other. I think that's just great. You know, oh, this was a, a list of my screenshots this week. Hey, I want to just share these with you because I thought they, were, mm. they mean so much to me, right? Like nice. um, there, there are these things that you can do face to face that we take for granted that we don't look at. We, we kind of brush over a little bit. You know, we get used to this sitting on the couch side by side kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, actually mm-hmm. embrace each other, communicate like really, really deeply. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when they say the, the eyes of the window to the soul, it's so true, right? Like you, you really start to uncover things when you when you talk uh really deeply to your partner and face to face whether you're doing something or not yeah i love that thanks for sharing all that yeah it's um there's a bunch of stuff i could comment on that but i think the thing that really stuck out to me is when you're talking about distractions um it's been interesting you know in the last two weeks now that i'm going out a little bit less or (laughs) than i used to like understanding how much i was distracting myself in a lot of ways and how important I think it is. And this is something that I've been talking about with a lot of my clients and just in the content that I've been creating, like giving your spell, giving yourself the space to be able to feel and be with everything that's coming up for you and not just distracting yourself from it or avoiding it or oppressing it or pushing it down or whatever it might be. Like it might be really uncomfortable, like peeling that first layer of the onion. But I think this is such an incredible time to actually sit down and confront, you know, some of the insecurities or the fears or the emotions that, you know, you might've been running away with or running away from. And I think doing it in relationship with, you know, your significant other, I think is just a win-win for everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with you there, bro. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, cool, man. Well, where can people find you online? Um, so I'm everywhere at The Robin Show, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Um, so you guys can look me up there, uh, therobinshow.com as well. And most of my updates, though, if you guys are on the gram, I'm there uh, most of the time doing most of the, most of my updates go on there. So if you want to know like more up to date things then go there, then, then next is Facebook. But um, yeah, if you guys know a divorced father going through a a tough time, um, go to dad's overcoming divorce on Facebook. It's a private group. Um, They're going to have to ask a few questions. My admin will check those questions and verify if you're a legit dude and you're going to bring value. And then, um, you know, cause we have, we have to reject some guys in the group. I, it's, it's sad, but we have to, right. But, mm-hmm. um, we have to make sure that it's a safe space for you. So, you know, just rest assured, we, we take good care of the group, come on by, uh, the water's warm, share your vulnerability, share your story, share your courages, whatever it is that you want to share, uh, we're, we're, we're there for you, man. And nice. um, yeah. That's awesome. it. Follow my podcast too on YouTube. Relationships yes, with yes, Rob. All right. Yes. Um, I'm gonna have uh, I'm gonna have Hayden to come on on the show as well too and share we'll his be there shortly. Like Absolutely, love it. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, the second to last piece is what's a piece of wisdom that you have for the folks listening to help them elevate themselves, their communities, and the world. This is the best piece of advice I love to give, and I really hope that you guys can take this in stride and don't think that it's a race. Okay. And the advice and wisdom that I love to give is play the long game, play the long game because man, there were so many points in my career of, of doing this where I wanted to give up where I did, wasn't getting the results and I wasn't happy with where I was. And I was, I, I kept going into this comparison mode and but what I wasn't doing was I was, I wasn't comparing myself to myself. And when I did that, I started to see, man, I am growing. If I, if I just keep doing this for another two, three, four, five, six more years, 
who knows what would happen. And I always like to express compounding growth. So that's probably another subset of this wisdom is Mm -hmm. that if you keep playing the long game, compounding growth will just catapult you into the the places that you have been dreaming of going. And so uh, play the long game, play, play the long game. Nice. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, and the way that I like to close out these shows is with acknowledgement. So Rob, are you open to me acknowledging you? For sure, brother. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, Rob, the, uh, the first word that came up for me when I was thinking about this was visionary. <laughs> like, thanks for being a visionary out in the world for yourself, for your clients, for the companies that you're created, that you're creating. Um, thanks for being so committed to bringing parts of yourself out in the world. Like there's this sense of just innate creation, um, and full expression that I find in talking to you and you know, the multiple times that we've connected up until now. Um, and I think that that in and of itself takes a lot of courage, like being willing to look at like, what are the parts of me that are important and how can I start to create, you know, external circumstances, businesses, groups, organizations that reflect that. So thanks for being willing to, to do the work there. Um, thanks for just being so heart centric. Like I really get that that's a huge part of who you are as a coach, who you are as an entrepreneur, you know, who you are as a father, who you are as a, as just a man in this work. Thanks for leading from love and being an example in leading from love. Um, I think especially with everything that's going on recently, the amount of fear and panic and overwhelm that's in the air. Um, we just need more of that. Um, so thanks for leading people from love and inspiring them to create more from that place. Um, and I think the, the last thing that I want to acknowledge you for is thanks for just being so committed to service. Like I, I really get in everything that you're up to, it's really about supporting people who might be going through similar experiences of what you went through and supporting them through that pain or the anguish or whatever it is so that they can also enjoy the growth <laughs> and the benefits on the other side of that. Um, so thanks for being a teacher. Um, thanks for being a shepherd in a lot of ways. Um, thanks for being a beacon for people. Um, and, and thanks so much for being on the show, man. It was an absolute pleasure, you know, getting to connect with you and, and talk with you. Well, hey, man, I, I, I received that. And, uh, you know, you're not a bad guy either. So, <laughs> oh, thanks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, appreciate, I appreciate that, man. I, mean, I, receive, I receive all of that. And, uh, you know, that was a very, very well thought out uh, piece there. And I've never, I've never heard anything like that of its kind. So I, I receive you, bro. Thanks, man. Yeah, you're so welcome. Absolutely. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this show and want to stay up to date on new episodes or other special offers, I'd invite you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if there's ever anything I can do to support you, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. See you next time.